scriptures say being strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man it is the holy spirit that energizes us that strengthens us that gives us might power hallelujah to respond the bible says no one can say jesus christ is lord except by the spirit of god hallelujah that means that no one can crown jesus as their lord no one can truly submit to the lordship of jesus except by the spirit of the lord this is further echoed when when john said i was in the spirit on the lord's day i was in the spirit then i heard and because i was in the spirit when i heard i turned and i saw hallelujah the same john says that which we seen was what we heard and then we kept our gaze on him and we looked upon before our hands handled this word of life for the life was manifest even right now words are going to be said but it is going to require the spirits of god for us to be able to turn hallelujah heavenly father we ask you for grace lord jesus to turn in the name of jesus there is an equipping that only your holy spirit can give there is a strength that only comes from the spirits of might. Heavenly Father, we ask you for mercy in the name of Jesus. There is a blessing that comes to those that keep the sayings of this book. Everlasting Father, we don't want to be hearers only that look at our reflection in the mirror, but then we walk away and we forget. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we ask you for mercy, Lord God, that we would respond in the name of Jesus. That we would be transformed in the name of Jesus. It is by your mercy, Lord God. It is by your spirit, Lord Jesus. It is only by the spirit of Jesus. It is only by the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. He has one assignment. He has one objective, the Holy Spirit, one influence, one projection. The scripture says he works all things after the counsel of the will of God. One will, one spirit, one objective. Oh, that we would respond. Oh, that we would respond. Oh, that we would respond, Lord Jesus. There was a lamentation of Moses in, in the Torah and it says, oh, that they had, it's actually of the Lord. He said, oh, that they had a, a heart in them, that they would fear me, that it would be well with them and all of their generations forever. Our God is a good God. Our God is a kind God. Our God is a loving God. Our God is a merciful God. But oh my goodness, how much pain, how much frustration he experiences when the spirit is absent in our lives we are not able to hear we are not able to to respond he is not his voice cannot be heard he can't be seen 
it's almost like he's not there when the spirit of god is absent the scriptures refer to the spirit of god as the seven lamps of fire that burn before the throne of god the spirit of god reveals the throne of god lamps are for illumination lamps are for illumination not for decoration you use lights to show something that tells me that the seven lamps, the, the ministry of the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit makes manifest the throne of God, makes real, makes tangible the throne of God. Without the ministry of the spirits of God, you will not see the throne of God in your life. God cannot reign as king in my life without the spirits of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask you for mercy in the name of Jesus, that your spirit would flood our hearts will flood our minds yes that divine influence upon the soul that projection of Jesus Christ instigated by your spirit Lord God those promptings those promptings those jerks hallelujah those piercings of the heart that your precious spirit brings oh Lord God we ask even right now in the name of Jesus for your spirit to make Jesus real to us to make Jesus tangible to us spirit of the living God we ask you for mercy that you reveal Jesus to us that he won't just be a word we say or song we talk about but our hearts would burn as we continue hearing his words spirit of the living god we entreat you we ask you for wisdom we ask you for understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We ask you for might. Shikande barakate na na marakasenda repakande bade kasande bata ya aranda bakasonta de yaraba rekande barakasomreba. We ask you for counsel in the name of Jesus. Rekenomra na marakasini anenemosa. Rekande baba 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 repakande bede bede baba 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 Oh, Tanya, we ask you for knowledge, for experience, for experience, Lord Jesus, intimate knowledge. We ask you for collision, Lord Jesus. We ask you for substance. We ask you for life. Oh, we ask you for the fear of the Lord. Let there be a residue. Let there be a stamping, an engraving. Let laws be written upon our hearts, Lord Jesus. Ah! 
Thank you for the pen of the ready writer, Lord Jesus. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for the open ear, the open heart in the name of Jesus. These are the blessings, Lord Jesus, that you desire to give to us. We receive them even right now with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. We say thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. The theme for this conference is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Um, obviously, upon first glance, you might think they're talking about the last book of the Bible, right? Hallelujah. But the truth is that your entire Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit has only one objective, and it is that, to reveal Jesus. Amen. You would see that the Bible says that the scriptures were written as holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were inspired by the Holy Ghost. Amen. As these men of God were inspired by the spirits of God, they began to write down transcripts of this man. I was ministering to, um, to someone, after I went to Pastor Jesus Church, and on the way back, um, I was ministering to someone, um, evangelizing to him. And then uh, while I was in the car, he was asking me, how do you know Jesus Christ is the only way? And the Holy Ghost like, put something in my heart, and he told me that um, not only is Jesus the only way, there is only one kind of person. There's only one way to save humanity. Now, this way to save humanity was meticulously documented in the Old Testament. Is anyone listening? It wasn't just that Jesus Christ just showed up and just began to live his life anyhow. Mm -mm -mm -mm. There was a specific way. Isaiah gave clear details about this man. Who knows what I'm saying? You would see people, Enoch, thousands of years ago, he comes on the influence of the Spirit of God and he begins to pen down the Lord coming back with tens of thousands of his saints. Is anyone listening? It wasn't just that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the only one that matched all of the prophecies. The prophecies were the only way that humanity could be saved. Then one man came and lived them out. That is why he is the only way. Who knows what I'm saying? It's not that we're glorifying Jesus. He's the only one. The Bible says, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? They checked everywhere. They checked Muhammad. They checked Buddha. They checked God is not afraid to check, inspect people. Amen? God will check. God checked Moses. God checked Joshua. God checked Solomon. God checked David. And they lacked something. Is everyone listening? The Bible now says that don't cry, don't weep. Why? The Lamb of God has overcome. Hallelujah. My pastor just came inside. Now I'm scared. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Good evening, sir. Hallelujah. God will give me even more utterance in Jesus' name. <laughs> You know where your pastor is standing in front of you. You want to pray seven times as much <laughs> to make sure that you're talking. Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not just the only way. There was, a, there was a prescription. When Jesus Christ came, he knew he had to be about his father's business. He knew he had to trace out his lifestyle from the Old Testament into the New. So it's not just that Jesus Christ came and started living his life anyhow. Mm -mm -mm. Lo, I come in the volume of the books to do thy will, O God. It is written of me in my heart, right? Your law is within my heart. There was a specific way he had to come. And that way he embodied it. He lived it out. It was painful. It was costly. He couldn't live any other life. He had no choice. I'm sure everyone knows that once you're a human being, choices will be presented to you as a human being. And these choices, some of them are, they give you right and wrong. Some of them, they give you okay and okay. Who knows what I'm saying? 
Jesus had no okay and okay. There was only one thing he came to do. Is everyone listening? Someone will come to him that is not, something, some, an opportunity will open up that's not captured in the will of God. I'm only sent to the lost house of the children of Israel. Who, get, who gets what I'm saying? Everything was written as it was written concerning him. Hallelujah. And this is because what God fleshed out from the Old Testament through the new was God's dwelling place, the tabernacle of God. Hallelujah. The problem is that, um, the problem we have as believers when we read some of these things is that, again, we look at things by form and not by functionality. Amen. In the book of John, the Bible says, the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. That was John telling you that that tabernacle of God, amen, that you saw in the Old Testament, that David tried building, amen, a human being embodied that reality. Hallelujah. You find all throughout the scriptures, they would reference all kinds of weird things that would really, um, could be distracting if you don't have discernment. For example, you see something like Noah's Ark, for example, amen. The, let me tell you something, okay? There is nothing in your Bible that was recorded, amen, that doesn't speak about Jesus. Is everyone listening? Amen? If they, measure, if they spoke about anything in, in detail, it's not because they like history or they like numbers. Is everyone listening? It is because it has to do with Jesus Christ. Amen? So if they're going over the details about the ark, amen, and they give you numbers and measurements, it is because there is something in that thing that speaks of Jesus. If they're going over the tabernacle, okay, if they're going over the Jewish feasts, okay, if they're going over all of these things in Jewish culture, okay, and they're pouring out all this detail, it's not because they think it's, these things are nice, amen? It is because the Spirit of God is emphasizing these things. And the emphasis of the Spirit of God is Jesus Christ. Does all this make sense? Now, I'm saying all of this because the last book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, amen, echoes this same, well, I say emphasis, which is identifying that thing that was spoken about from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Malachi, amen, and at the same time fleshing out the tabernacle of God, the embodiment of that thing that was traced out. Who gets what I'm saying? For this reason, this last book of the Bible lays heavy emphasis on everything captured from Genesis to Malachi. Does that make sense? Because they're all about tracing that thing out, amen, and then building it. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. I think it was last year, summer, I was praying in my room. Um, no, I was reading my Bible in my room, and it just hits me. It all made sense. This book is the book of the tabernacle of God. This is a, I just saw all the different pictures and different themes about how God will come and dwell with humanity. Amen? And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Amen? Just showing types and shadows from the old to the new, how this book is more so about God building his tabernacle than about um, scorpion stinging people, <laughs> amen, than about famine and, and plague, amen. Now, these things will happen, amen. I'm sure we also, how many of you know that also? Now, it, and this is not to water down what's happening right now, amen. I've known that famines have been happening for years. Plagues have been happening for years, right? Persecution has been happening for years, amen. So if a, in your generation a plague comes, if you read about how smallpox destroyed almost a, a specific country in the world, a third of the entire population was demolished by smallpox. If you look at the bubonic plague and how, how effective it was at dealing with humanity, you would think it was the end of the world. If you look at World War I and the devastation that was caused, you would think the world has come to an end. Who knows what I'm saying? 
But the Bible prescribes for us what is necessary for ending this age, right? It is that this gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached to all nations as a witness, and then the end will come. Now, the problem is that when people hear that, we all think that this gospel of the kingdom is that Jesus Christ loves you and you should give your life to Jesus. Amen? But this God, the gospel of the kingdom of God is God making his home on the inside of you. Does that make sense? I'm going to make it very simple, right? God living inside of you freely is the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's not Jesus Christ loves you. That's good. That's a part of it, right? But the, um, that gospel of the kingdom is not that Jesus Christ loves you alone. He loves you, but he loves you so much, he wants to marry you. He wants to be inside. I will dwell among them, right? I will walk among them. I will be their God. They should be my people. God wants to live inside of us. Hallelujah. And the archetype, right? The prototype, the blueprint of God living inside of us is this man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So what we're talking about, God's of the kingdom of God, we're talking about building God's dwelling place. It must be, God's dwelling place must be properly preached to all nations. Then the end will come. As in all nations, there must be people in every country on the earth building Jesus. Yes, the house of God. When that is happening, the end will come. That is more traumatic than plagues. That is more traumatic than earthquakes, than scorpions stinging you. That is more traumatic than famines. Because that's this thing, Jesus Christ, will end this age. And when we say this age, this age is not, is not the tall buildings in Dubai. Amen? This age is not, this age is not New York City or the Statue of Liberty. This age is very simply this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, even though those things sound very simple, dealing with these things has a very traumatizing effect on your soul. That's the truth. You will know this, I explained this before. One time, I went on WhatsApp um, stories first came out. I was, me and my friends would come here and I would pray almost every night. And WhatsApp stories came out, status update, sorry, WhatsApp status updates, right? It's on Instagram that they call stories, right? Yes. And when it came out, um, I said that, you know, initially when it didn't come out, you know, I'm a millennial, so we always try to act like we're too grown for these things. That's Gen Z stuff, right? <laughs> That's how we all like to act. Then one by one, one day like this, just tap on one, another day, three days. After one week, I cannot help myself. I am sucked inside, and only God can save me. And I can tell it's affecting me because I find more pleasure scrolling through people's um, stories. St yeah, status updates, yes, than this thing, than anything else, to be honest with you. So what I'll try to do is I'll child curbing it. I'll look for a while. Okay, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. Come to pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this happened for a period of about a week. After about a week, I think it was Debbie that now told me that, oh, you, when I was sharing with her that I need help, that this thing is coming at nature, and she said, oh, you can mute people's statuses. You know what I did? I said, really? I now began to mute everyone. Mute, 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 mute. As soon as I finished muting everyone, when I muted the last person, immediately I got drenched with the Holy Spirit. Like I, I got drunk in the Holy Spirit instantly. So there was an encounter waiting above my head. But it was being blocked by what? This affinity. Yes, these, these distractions. Is someone listening? Now, as a child of God, the life of God, oh, please play gently. Oh. 
I'm trusting God as I'm talking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. As a child of God, you have God's life on the inside of you. Amen. But you're living in a hostile environment. Amen. And this hostile environment is not this planet, like Pazali said, right? It is the systems of this world that you have to interface with to be productive. You know how they said you, sh you cannot buy, um, without buying or selling, you're going to receive a mark, which, sorry, he causes all small and great to receive a mark without which you can't buy or sell. I'm, I'm really butchering it there, amen? But the truth is that the mark of this world is on everyone's head. Amen? You cannot interface with this world successfully without being branded. No matter how you try, unless you completely brand yourself with the name of the Lord. That's the only way. So for this reason, when the life of God organically, it should emerge out of us. That's the truth. When you get born again, there should be an organic springing up of the life of God. You experience this when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you stop smoking, you stop drinking, you stop doing all these bad things. Amen? But as this life of God continues surging through your soul, it begins to hit these roadblocks. All right? And these roadblocks are, for lack of better words, strongholds, dominions. Amen? They are firm grips that are the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. The term stronghold is not a word that you use passively. It means you are going to, you need strength to wage warfare against them. You're not going to, it's not just two, two minutes prayer. Heavenly Father, please deal with this in Jesus' name. Why haven't you dealt with it now? Get the stronghold out of your life. That's not how, is everyone listening? You need to wage warfare against these things. These are things that you pray, pray, pray to seem like nothing is happening. It's looking at you. <laughs> Lord, deliver me from this. You spend how many hours praying? When you finish, they're looking at you. Have you finished praying? <laughs> when you start again, let's wake me up. <laughs> and one, one reason why, as the rabbi says, is through faith and patience. We inherit the promises, right? You have to be very patient to come out because that's what they test. Most human beings are not patient. You see a child of God who starts fighting them. They, there's a way that evil spirits function, amen? They are not afraid of you. Ah! In fact, I now jump without doing what is right. They're, wow. Uh -uh. See this young boy. <laughs> okay, he went for Watchman Conference. That's why. <laughs> Give him one. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You see them, they'll go to, what's this place called? They'll go to Slow. <laughs> they'll go and chill there. I like to play Slow. When they finish chilling at Slow, they'll walk back very slowly. <laughs> and they'll now look at you. And we said it. <laughs> Hallelujah. We lack patience. Hallelujah. So because of that, in that warfare against all of these things, amen, that life of God, that, that flow, that surge is halted by the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hallelujah. When those things are taken away, when those things are dealt with, there is an organic surge of God's life. It, give, it will bring into your head realities that you could not fathom by yourself. It will bring to you peace you did not think was existed. It will bring to you joy. The Bible says joy unspeakable, right? And full of glory. These things are experienced in portions in our prayer time. But there is when your entire consciousness is flooded by these things. And you have no... Nothing restricting it. Just not because of the abundant entrance to the kingdom of God. Just an endless flow of God's life. As God is speaking to you, you are hearing what he is saying. These are things that are foreign to humanity. But that's how Jesus Christ lived. 
That's why he said, I cannot do anything I don't see my father doing. As my father does, so I do. He's saying that there's nothing blocking that flow. And that's what the tabernacle is all about. It's that place of communion with the Lord. Where that flow of God is unrestrained. Not frustrated, not hindered by this present age. Hallelujah. To do this, everyone that built a tabernacle built according to pattern. You see this with Moses. You see this with, um, what's his name, with Noah. You see this with David, with Solomon, right? You, you wouldn't see anyone that just built anything and said, God, this is your house. Come on, dwell here. No, 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 no. There is a way. Even Jesus Christ, when he built his life, he followed the blueprints. He followed the markers. And just to show you even more so how serious it was, when it was time, right, for him to be crucified, Moses and Elijah came to give him details, right, to minister to him details, how he should die. When they're whipping you, do like this. When, you're, when they're beating you, when they're crucifying you, do this one, do all of that is so that when they finish shaping, uh -huh, so that everything will be fulfilled. Because it's not, just do, you know, this way we, when you're fasting, this is something that, you know, when you do fitness, when you're, doing, when you're working out, there's something called the right form, right? I normally, when I do shoulder shrugs, I normally go, I used to go like this before. Then someone, a, an experienced body, um, bodybuilder, told me something that this thing you're doing is wrong. Your form is wrong. You're cheating your muscle development. Do like this raw. Now, when you do like this raw, you don't have the angular momentum of swaying when you go in a, in a rotary form. That's one. Then two, you don't risk your, your shoulder um, socket popping out or whatever when you're using heavier weights. Long story short, when you're working out, you want to work out with the right form. Make sense? The right pattern is crucial. Hallelujah. The book of Revelation is all about this right pattern being unveiled. Hallelujah. Now, for the sake of running through this effectively, I'm going to give some definitions that will be very helpful. Amen? And these definitions will make the book of Revelation even easier to understand. Hallelujah. The book of life, um, let, let, me, let me phrase it like this. Whenever you see a book in the, book of, in the, in the Bible, in the spiritual realm, there is no literal book, yes, like that thing that you have right there. Amen? Books are for storing records, right? That's what we know them for, right? Now, in the realm of the spirit, records are not information. Does that make sense? We store information. That's how we store records. In the realm of the spirit, what people store are operations. Spirit, yes, yeah, spiritual operations. Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So a good way of thinking of a book is like a battery where you have stored what? Charge. Yes, power. Does that make sense? So that when you need it, you want to go and read, you won't read by opening up a book. You will plug yourself in and then there's a flow from that thing. Does that make sense? So think of the book of life. Break away from that form and understand functionality. Does that make sense? So when you're seeing this thing, what then would be the seven seals, given this context, for example? Something that is obstructing that flow of power. Does that make sense? Is everything I'm saying making sense? So for this, with this you know, little way of like translating or transcribing the book of life, the seven seals could be like maybe seven resistors, right? If you're an electrical engineer. If you're not an electrical engineer, Joe is a baker, right? And then that thing you squeeze for putting icing on cakes, right? You squeeze it and there's a flow of fondant or uh, 
icing that comes out, right? Now imagine you're trying to squeeze this thing and it's not coming out because there are seven blockages. So the removal of each of these blockages is the unsealing of the book. Does that make sense? So that there can be an easy flow. Hallelujah. The Bible explains, let me show us what, the, what this flow is. Hallelujah. Give me Isaiah 29. Thank you, Jesus. 29 from verse 9. Isaiah 29 from verse 9. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Thank you for your spirit. Hallelujah. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. In the Bible, drink is um, usually an allegory for a spirit, an influence. Amen. Hallelujah. For the Lord has poured out upon you the what? Spirit of deep sleep. Now, let me say something. God cannot pour out the spirit of deep sleep. Amen. God is alive. Amen. Sleep means you are dead. God does have the spirit of death with him. Hallelujah. God has awakening. Hallelujah. But if you resist that spirit of awakening, what will happen is that you will experience sleep. Does that make sense? Yes. The consequence of your actions is that you will experience sleep. A good example of this is Saul, the anointed one, right? He was anointed to be king. And when he was anointed, they poured oil on his head from a flask, right? When they poured that oil on his head, the Spirit of God came upon him and he began to prophesy. Remember that story? Amen? Now, as he began to disobey God time and time and time again, at one specific point, there was this encounter he had with Samuel where he pulled on Samuel's clothing, right? Yes, and it tore. And Samuel looked back at him and told him something. The kingdom has been torn away from you and has been given to a neighbor of yours. Hallelujah. Now, that physical gesture did not manifest until the day David was anointed. That was when the tearing happened. As soon as, check your Bible. Go and check your Bible. Like, you can check it right now if you want to. As soon as David was, as the oil was touching David's head, the Bible says an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Is everyone listening? So it wasn't that God sent an evil spirit to Saul. No, that anointing of the king left Saul and now landed on David's head. But the Bible said the spirit of God rushed, rushed David. So it rushed away from Saul. That's why it, the vacuum was so shocking. Yes, open. And immediately what happened? Evil spirits just came and filled this guy. And the guy will be, yes. Is anyone listening? That's the spirit of deep sleep. When the spirit of deep sleep comes, your eyes are closed. Nowhere. Remember what the Holy Spirit brings in Ephesians chapter 1? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The prophets and the rulers, the seers, has he covered. Look at this, verse 11. And the vision of all is become unto you as what? The words of a book that is sealed. Let, let, me, let me propose this to everyone. The truth is that that sealed book, all right, the experience of the book being sealed is very subjective to what spirit is functioning on you. Does that make sense? If you have the spirit of deep sleep resting on you, the book is sealed. But the book will be unsealed to you if the spirit of deep sleep is taken away because the Holy Spirit rests upon you. Does that make sense? This is why when they said, who is worthy to open the book? At lucid seals, they described a lamb, right? That looked like it had been slain, that had what? Seven horns. And what? Seven eyes. 
The seven eyes speak of the seven spirits of God, right? The beginning of enlightenment, right? Sensory perception. But the seven horns speaks of abundance. Where do you pour oil from? A ram's horn. He had each reservoir of wisdom, understanding, counsel, mind, knowledge. He had all of them resting on his head. The Bible said, this is he that baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he had the authority because he had the horns. To what? To break the seals. Why? The spirit was flowing endlessly on him. Does that, does that make sense? Because the breaking of the seals, listen very closely, okay? The breaking of the seals is a private experience. It's not a public experience. Many people think that the events in Revelation chapter 6 are corporate. Amen? Revelation chapter 6 events are private. They're not happening to everyone. In fact, if you check the book of Revelation, it would seem like some things are repeating. You see Revelation chapter 6, it looks like the events in Revelation chapter 6, they repeat in Revelation chapter 8 and 9. And they get repeated again in Revelation chapter 16. It gets confusing until you realize that, yes, the same thing is happening, but to different people. Some people, they have the private experience of communing with the Lord. And while communing with him, there is a flood of his spirit into their souls, ministered by Jesus Christ. That unseals the book to them privately. Then these people who are in, you know, endued with power on high when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they then begin to minister to the church. Amen? Through the ministry of the seven trumpets, that which was unsealed to them. Long story short, at the, at the end, the church organically produces the glory of God, referred to as the bowls of wrath, where they release it to the entire world. Hallelujah. I'm giving you a quick summary of the book of Revelation right now. Amen? Which is that the man-child company, Jesus Christ breaks the seals of the man-child company. Hallelujah. The man-child company trumpets the revelation of Jesus Christ to the church, and the church releases the glory of God to the world. Amen? That's the bowls of wrath. Amen? The bowls of wrath is not God being angry. Amen? Let me say something. Hallelujah. When the Bible talks about the wrath of God, it's not that God is angry. Let me even say something that will also help. Amen? There is a way that God has designed spiritual things where systems work very, very well. If you disobey God, I like what Pastor Danley said that, once fear is taken out of your life, you're going to get judged. You know why? These things are almost automatic. If you, the Bible says that the sting of death is sin, right? If you sin, it is death entering you. That's what the Bible is saying. It's not God dealing with you, amen? So when you have sinned, the wages of sin is death. Because death stung you with sin. The way sin, the way death penetrates your skin is by sinning. So when you have sinned, death has stung you, right? Now, if that thing remains there, it will kill you. Does that make sense? That's what's called the wages of sin. You know, God is looking at you. You disobey me. I will kill you. Mm -mm -mm -mm. God doesn't have to do any of those things. That thing will deal with you by itself. Is everyone listening? Now, there is the place also where God needs righteousness to be enforced. Because that structure, that, that destroys sin. Because that's an organic system that God created for all of creation. Amen? That's how the ecosystem of this, of this, of this world is meant to function. Amen? When that system is not functioning because of sorcery. Amen? The truth is that sometimes... Some sorcerers, they have learned some techniques to push that thing back. Amen? And they'll bring someone else. You, you take my place in dying. And they'll bring someone else. You take my place in dying. Hallelujah. Isn't that what that man did when he took his son and <laughs> slew his son? He was supposed to die that day. The guy said, come here. <laughs> Killed his son. And through that, great indignation was spread out. So he could go on and go and hide. Hallelujah. For those people, God will tell you, go and kill that man. See that man there? Go and kill him. Is everyone listening? 
I hope everyone is understanding what I'm saying. I'm the person that, that says that God doesn't kill people. This is the only exception to that rule. When you're seeing an anomaly in the system, remove that anomaly. Get him out. The Bible says that the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressor shall be uprooted. Hallelujah. So whenever there is an anomaly, it will be dealt with harshly. The way Samuel took a knife and did what? Hacked King Agag to pieces. There's a reason why. He wasn't doing it looking at Agag. He was looking at Agag several generations down when he would go and destroy Israel in Persia. So he had to kill him. And he had to kill him quickly because apparently right before Samuel came, the guy's child <laughs> was running away. So before the guy gives birth to more children, cuts this guy off because this bloodline wants to destroy God's people. Hallelujah. The opening of the seals is a private experience. Hallelujah. Of the seals for building the, t the dwelling place. of. Now, give me Exodus chapter 19 from verse 3. How much time do I have left? <laughs> Hallelujah. Just gesture to me. Don't say it out loud so that if I go over, it's <laughs> it will seem like I'm being rebellious. <laughs> 30 minutes. Okay, okay. <laughs> I will say this if I go 30. I won't, I won't seem like I'm rebellious. Hallelujah. Critical to understanding the tabernacle is looking at the organic structure that God had in mind. Hallelujah. God never desired for the tabernacle to look like that thing in the back. You know that thing in the back, that structure right there? That was never God's original design for the tabernacle. How many of you know that? It was because Israel refused to come up on the mountain. That was why God built that thing. If you check in spiritual things, spiritual things... By nature, this planet, all right, is designed to be a tabernacle. It's designed to function. It's, it's spiritual by nature, for lack of better words. Amen? And for this reason, if you as a human being are not able to fulfill a specific spiritual obligation, some kind of consecration, a crutch can be given to you with a token. You see this when people say, cut me soap, right? What is that soap? Some kind of charm for favor, right? You take that thing and rub your face. And what now happens? Everyone is now... Ah, there's so much wow i just want to i want to sign this contract now right it is now that that soap all right is carrying someone else's consecration does that make sense so that even though you're not able to meet the obligations of that deity by rubbing that soap that person's consecration can be poured out upon you does that make sense kind of like when saul they put hankies on saul right and he carried the hankies and put on people amen the same thing with moses's rod right Moses' rod was on the floor. It became a serpent, came back up. In the beginning, Moses' rod was very useful for any of the rituals that Moses was doing. But after a period of time, if you check it, Moses stopped using the rod. Why? He was learning to walk with God. As he kept on learning to walk with God, he no longer needed that crutch anymore. I discovered that when Moses parted the Red Sea, he didn't use the stick. You know what I discovered that he did? Moses actually used his hand. You know what God told him? God said, raise up your rod, but stretch out your hand and divide the Red Sea. I saw that recently. So it was actually Moses' hand that did this. And when he did this, what happened? Wind came and backed up. <laughs> that must have been the most exhilarating experience ever. To witness all of that wind. Like, ah, hey, okay. <laughs> Just watching all of that wind blow. Hallelujah. After a period of time, they had this fight. I think it was with the Amalekites. They just said, raise up Moses' hands, right? 
Moses' hands were raised alone. And while his hands were raised, the war was being... Make sense? So when human beings cannot meet up to a consecration, you find elements that will be used as a crutch to hold on to until when, until the time appointed, right? When you can bear the weight by yourself. Hallelujah. You see this, hallelujah, in the tabernacle. God wanted that the children of Israel would have God's laws written on their hearts. Amen? God wanted to write his laws on their hearts. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted them to come up on the mountain and commune with him directly. Moses was meant to be a go-between, but Moses was only meant to be a go-between to introduce Israel to God. One introduction had happened, they were meant to have endless dialogue. They were to be the tabernacle, the people. Does that make sense? But because they refused that, what happened was that God now infused everything onto Moses. And when he infused everything onto Moses, they still went and covered Moses' face. Because you know what God wanted to do? God wanted that Moses, you go and teach them. You go and teach them. That when Moses came to teach them, because the teaching of anything spiritual is by a spirit. I'm sure we all know that, right? Without a spirit of that thing, there is no actual learning of anything. So God wanted that the unction would rest on Moses. And while inspired, Moses would be ministering the Shekinah glory to Israel directly. Since they couldn't go up on the mountain. You know what they did? <laughs> That's a nice sermon. Shut up. Amen? They covered his face. So because of that, I know what Moses did. Moses took all of that glory that's on his face and began to deposit it on different items. The menorah, the altar, hallelujah. And when he did all of those things, amen, when he finished furnishing everything, hallelujah, the end goal was that each of these things were meant to represent all of Israel. That's what the entire tabernacle was meant to do, was meant to represent Israel. That's why it is meant for Israel. Only Israel can access that thing. If you're not a Jew, you can't access that thing. It's not that. It's actually meant to be like a one-to-one -one representation. You enter inside because you are Israel. Does, does that make sense? If you check the most holy place, you can't enter the most holy place unless you are all of Israel. It is because the tabernacle was built to hold glory for Israel. So you can't go in there if you are not Israel. Does that make sense? So when the high priest would go inside, he receives that, the charms, the energy from those charms puts it upon himself then he does the shin and releases upon israel on the day of atonement hallelujah all of these things i just described now you're going to see in the book of revelation but you won't see them if you think it's about russia and ukraine i'm just letting you know if you if you think book of revelation about russia and ukraine you are going somewhere else no god can't show you what's happening between russia and ukraine from the book of revelation i have seen it before god can show you the twin towers god can show you covid God can show you anything for the book of Revelations. Amen? But, yes, exactly. There is a clear emphasis. I like to give this example of, let's say God wants to tell you, let's say your son is meant to get married, and the person you meant to get married to is a girl called Sarah. Right? And then God will now show you in the Bible, maybe you're dating so-called Sarah. Lord, is she the one? She the one? And God now shows you, your wife's name is Sarah. She shall be called Sarah, not Sarai, but shall be the mother of many. And that's, a word, that's God's word to you. Now, you can take that to the bank that God just spoke to me, right? That's God speaking to you through the scriptures. Now, if we now apply that as a doctrine, ah, uh, how about all the Rebecca's in this world now? Wouldn't they get married also? 
Or what if your name is not Sarah, Rebecca, Deborah? You know all the Bible names. Many, many Christian girls have the Bible names. How about the girls' names that are, what's your name is in Yoruba? It doesn't transcribe to anything. In <laughs> Hallelujah. Who gets what I'm saying? So you're going to find that emphasis, hallelujah, of the tabernacle's construction. Very quickly, let's jump real quick to the book of Revelation 15, verse 3. I'll use some scriptures and then I would run away. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. It's like you knew I was going to say. Did I say Revelation 15, verse 3? Did I say that? Oh, wow. I didn't think I said that. Okay. Start from verse 1. I was going to say, let's go from verse 1. Mm -hmm. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those that had gotten the victory over the beast over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on a sea of glass having the harps of god hallelujah they sing the song of moses the servants of god next page and the song of lamb now these two individuals were the only people that responded to god's invitation to come up on the mountain how many of you know that when god said come up and be with me the only people that responded were moses and jesus no one else did moses ascended in the old covenant jesus ascended in the new hallelujah what they're singing now is a song of ascension in other words there's going to be a third company of people that will ascend that company is the man child company hallelujah they're going to function like moses they're going to function like jesus in building the tabernacle of god right now see that gospel of the kingdom of god is going to be built by people but there is a prescription for these people they have to follow in the footsteps of Moses and Jesus Christ. Problem is that when I say Jesus, what we think of is Galilee, healing the sick, raising the dead. Amen? You don't really have any clues into his private life. Amen? But it is when you study, again, remember, these men in the, in the Bible from Genesis to Malachi, all throughout there is a revelation of Jesus Christ, right? So when you read David's personal walk with God, you get a clue into Jesus' personal walk. When you read into Moses' personal walk with God, you get previews into Jesus' walk with God. Does all this make sense? Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Also, let me say something else. This is not an actual song. <laughs> Amen? You will see in the Bible these things called songs. No one is singing anything. How many of you know that? Amen? There is no actual song. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that you can't sing this. Amen? Please sing this if the Lord inspires you to sing it. Amen? But this is a description of something. They're, they're saying that organically out of their hearts is coming out something. Does that make sense? It's not that they're singing. Because you, you might not fit this description and you're singing this song. That's not what they're talking about, right? Check the book of Revelation chapter 14. The Bible says, and they sung a song which no one else could sing. Ah, what are the lyrics? Are the lyrics in tongues? <laughs> How can no one else sing this song? Because the songs are not literal songs. Let's go there real quick so what I'm saying makes sense. Revelation 14. Revelation 14 from verse 1. We'll come back here. Revelation 14 from verse 1. Revelation 14 from verse 1. Revelation 14. Revelation chapter 14. I looked and lo, um, a lamb stood on Mount Zion with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. 
The 144,000, I want to give a quick note. Everything I say here might be contrary to what some other people might say. Take what I am saying and let Jesus Christ minister to you through it. Take what they are saying, let Jesus Christ minister to you through it. Does that, does that make sense? And make sure you understand the meat of what is being said. Does that make sense? I'm saying this because many people teach also that the 144,000 are Jewish people. Amen? Many people teach also that the 144,000 are a specific company that is separate from the man-child company. I believe in the book of Revelation you only have two believers, two companies of believers. Amen? They are the bride of Christ and the carnal church. Amen? The bride of Christ are referred to as the man-child company. They're referred to as the New Jerusalem, the city of God. They're referred to as the 144,000. They're referred to as those who um, overcame the mark of the beast and overcame his name. They're referred to as, I already said the city of God, right? All those, they're referred to as virgins, right? You see re references to these people that they are, they seem like bosses. They also refer to as the Philadelphia company. Hallelujah. You will see all throughout the book of Revelation, specific people being highlighted. Don't think these are different people. The Bible is giving you many ways to describe one company. Does that make sense? You'll also see the Bible make reference to those who dwell in heaven. It's the man-child company they're talking about, so not saints that are dead and in heaven. Is everyone listening? You see in the book of Revelation chapter 7, at the 144,000, they stand before the throne of God. It's not because they cut off their heads and now they're worshiping God in heaven. It is because the level, for lack of better words, the lifestyle that they're living, amen, is one that is so heavily inspired by God, you can't trace it out here on this earth. Does that make sense? Some people, they're living in hell. It doesn't mean that they're physically in hell, right? It's because their life is so bad. When you're, tr when you're trying to, when, if you use like a litmus test to find out where is this life from, you trace it to where? To the pits of hell, right? Some people, they're living like they're in heaven. When you trace out their life, you trace it where? Upwards. People are living the heavenly life here on this earth. Jesus Christ did that in John chapter 3. He said something. The son of man who is in heaven. Amen. He was talking to Nicodemus and he told him, I am in heaven right now. Amen. Because of the life that he was living. Hallelujah. So the 144,000, they are the man-child company. Hallelujah. This is, again, my opinion. You can reject that if you want to. Just make sure you get what I'm saying. Having his father's name written on their foreheads. They are the only ones that get branded with the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I will just keep on going. I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Hallelujah. And they sung, as it were, a new song. Now, if you trace this out, amen, heard a voice from heaven, the voice of many waters, the voice of a great thunder, the voice of harpers harping with their harps, you would trace it to the four living creatures in Revelation chapter 4. Has anyone ever noticed that before? Let's go there real quick. I'll, I'll use that to establish and I'll end with this. Don't worry. Don't be scared, everyone. Tap your neighbor and say, don't be scared. Ah, uh, you guys are scared. Who's scared to tap your neighbor? <laughs> tap your neighbor. Don't be scared. He's going to finish right now. Give me Revelations. Revelations chapter 5. Sorry. Revelations chapter 5. Revelations 5 from verse 8. Revelations 5 from verse 8. We'll come back here. When Jesus had taken the book, the four beasts, look at this, the four beasts, the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamp. Look at this. Having every one of them harps. One. Two. Golden vials full of incense. And these are what? The prayers of the saints. Now, for many people try to navigate this and they said things like, ah, is it that the four living creatures are, are saints also? Or that the four living creatures are human beings as well? Or the 24 elders are humans? Hallelujah. 
what's actually happening is that these entities, amen, they are holding portions of our inheritance. What you're seeing here is a commercial, an advertisement, an advertisement, right? You watch a commercial and you see someone that uh, maybe they bought a product and they're dancing, right? They're not dancing so that you can say, Kai, she's so happy. It's, so you should be dancing. Does that make sense? You should be doing this thing. If you buy this product, you do this. Or this thing that this girl got that's making her do like this. If you get to, you do the same thing. Does that make sense? So, the what? Exactly, yes. That's what you're seeing. Literally what you're seeing here. A picture. So this, these harps, the golden vials, a picture of what a redeemed saint will look like. They're meant to be holding harps. Golden vows full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Amen? And look at this. And they sang what? A new song. Look at this song real quick, okay? You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Did Jesus come to redeem angels? I mean, you could argue that he came to redeem everything, right? But the primary objective of the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ is humans, right? It's us, the saints, right? Believers. I'm, Humanity. Let me let me phrase that correctly. Humanity is an objective. That was a, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen. Now, when He came to redeem the world, Amen. Through from that redemption, you find believers manifesting on the earth. Right. You redeemed us to God by Your blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The four living creatures cannot be singing this because they were not redeemed directly by His blood. Look what it says here. Honor and blessing. Next next page. Look at this. Next page. Next page. Next page. Next, okay, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Will the four living creatures reign on the earth? That doesn't make any sense. So what's happening? They're advertising. All you people on the earth, these things belong to you. These things we're carrying, they belong to you. Come and take, they said, come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. He saw an architecture in heaven. A throne in the center, creatures doing this and doing that, lamps of fire burning. They're telling you what you should be doing on the earth. Does that make sense? They're, they're not just showing you so you can say, Kai, heaven is so sweet. It's so that you can build according to pattern. That's right. Build the heavens on the earth, right? Not, not to wait for the... <laughs> Hallelujah. Go back to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14. Hallelujah. Verse 3. And they sung as it were a new song. Now this is the song that the cherubim were singing before. They were never actually singing it, beloved. We are the ones that are meant to sing it. What the Bible is showing us here, that song that you saw advertised in chapter 4, some people have collected it. Does everyone see? You see also where it says they had harps. Go back, go back, go back. Put, put from verse 1. Put from verse 1. Because it says, I heard a noise in heaven, and I saw harpers harping with their harps. Look at this. A voice of many waters, a voice from heaven, and a voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. The voice of thunder. Remember when the angel offered the incense with the prayers of the saints? He threw it to the earth. There was lightnings and thunders and voices. That's the prayers of the saints. So we have select successfully, let me say it like this, okay? If you dialogue with the four living creatures, they will put inside of you a burden for the body of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? If you actually, you know, people, they have a prophetic encounters. You can have a prophetic encounter and you get no burden. You can have a prophetic encounter and then you see the four living creatures. When you finished, he writes a book about the, the wings, the, the scales, 
the, the seven, the ten, the four, four faces, and no burden for the body. Is everyone listening? I'm once against visions, amen? Have your visions, have your revelations. Honestly speaking, receive anything, whatever you can give, give, amen? If you don't want to get the burden, it's okay. Give, give us, give us what, what you have, amen? Because every, every joint will supply what they can, will collect your supply, hallelujah, because we have to get this work done, hallelujah. But the primary objective of these experiences is to collect things from them. They were meant to give us things. Sometimes, if you check the book of Revelation chapter 6, it is the four living creatures that declare the contents of the scroll. Remember? Jesus Christ plucked the first seal and the, the lion, come and see. Remember that? And when he shouted, come and see, a horseman came out. And the guy is released upon the, upon the Magi company to destroy worldliness. When you see it in the Bible, it looks like plague and bad things happening. But what's really happening is that when the four living creatures share with you how beautiful God is, you will hate this world. This world will be destroyed in your life. They will give you a burden for the body, burden for the saints. Is everyone listening? You can see someone, they have not had a physical, like a prophetic, a visual experience with the four living creatures before. But they have heavy burden for the I don't mean burden as in preaching burden. Amen. Because that's another way it can. See, this thing is very tricky. There's a way that you see a billboard and you see a man of God. He's doing like this. And you see thousands of people. Souls. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, no. I've just seen, I've seen so many things on Facebook. When you see them, you're like, God. <laughs> it's just very, very interesting. Hallelujah. No one is seeing you. No one no one is going to reward you. You don't care about them seeing you. You guess what I'm saying? That's not your objective. You want to see something done. When it is done, then you're happy. You don't care if anyone congratulates you or thanks you. That is a burden. Because anything else, where Jesus Christ said that if you want to give your arms to the poor, don't let anyone see, don't even let your left hand know. You know the reason why? If you give arms to the poor and you're on Instagram live, that is not Jesus anymore. That is that is this world. You seen those channels on YouTube shorts? Hey, how you doing? Hundred dollars or high five? No, that's the next person. Okay, hundred dollars or high five. In the world, they are doing it. If the world can do that, we the church cannot be doing that now. <laughs> Hallelujah! Genuine burden for the body. I'm going to finish right now. Amen. I know. I know. Like. <laughs> Hallelujah! They sung as it were a new song before the throne, before the the four beasts. Look at that. They sung a new song before the throne before the four beasts and the elders no man could learn that song except for the hundred and forty-four thousand next page which were redeemed from the earth that song you see it in chapter 15 as a song of moses and the lamb hallelujah um this song requires that we come up hither that's a simple summary hallelujah the manchild company are the manchild company not because they are in a in a ministry called manchild company or man church of the manchild company amen or because they say manchild company many times manchild company you can say it a hundred times if you don't fulfill the actual functionality if you're not being caught up who guess what i'm saying for context let me explain what being caught up means amen I'll end with this, amen? Being caught up means the only influence in your life 
is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, it's Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? You trace everything out. This is not lust. This is the Holy Spirit. This is for the will of God. When you are doing that, you're living a heavenly life. Does that make sense? The man-child company is going to live this way, amen, for the sole purpose of the building of the sanctuary. To the people that live like this, the book will be unsealed. Privately. Exclusively to them. It would, the details there, if you read JLA's prophecy, you hear all kinds of scary things about the man-child company. Because the truth is that as they're living out this life and the book is being unsealed, all kinds of war is going to break out over them. Let me say something, okay? Satan understands something. If the mental company rises up, that is the end of everything. That consecrated company, they would make sure they see God's work being done. In the Old Testament, Moses could not do it because Jesus Christ had not yet died. Now Jesus Christ has died. The man-child company will see you to the end. The Bible says they love not their lives to the death. Once this influence of this world, as you, as you intentionally allow the Spirit of God, very intentional, to, 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 to flow through you, the book will be unsealed to you. There is going to be an outbreak of warfare to stop that ascended life. Because what unseals the book is a lifestyle that allows the Spirit of God to flow into your life. So everything that's, whether it is offense, whether it is distractions, anything necessary to stop that divine life. I know what I am saying. <laughs> there will be warfare. There will be contentions. Because once you rise up, once you collect those burdens, once, you, once the book is unsealed to you, once you have the manuscript, once you have the blueprint of the tabernacle of God, that is the end. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Can we stand? I want us to ask the Lord for grace to live to live out this life that is under the influence of the Spirit of God. Honestly speaking, many times for you to actually start living this life, you need to spend some time locked away with the Lord so that He collides with you. When that collision registers in your soul, you find energy to live selflessly. You can't do this by yourself, that's the truth. There has to be repeat, the Bible calls it the anointing. That means to rob you. There has to be rubbing, like collision impact for lack of better words I want us to ask the Lord for grace to live out this life those people that are living out this life the Bible explains there will be a mark put upon their heads upon their foreheads Bible calls it the seal of God in Revelation chapter 7 if the book is being unsealed to you they will put the seal of God on your head you have access to the book you're able to discern the will of God you are illuminated your eyes are open you don't have the spirit of deep sleep the spirit of God is flowing through you 
those people only those people there's two categories in the book of revelation the carnal believers and the servants of god only these people are called the servants of god the people that are living under the influence of the spirits of god it doesn't matter what we're doing with our lives it doesn't matter if you sell all your goods amen it doesn't matter if you give your body to be burned if you are not living a life that is inspired by the Spirit of God there will be no mark on your forehead Moses recognized this Moses recognized this in his dialogue with God he told God something when they ask me what is his name who sent you he told God what will I tell them if they ask me what your name is then God gave him signs tokens of the name of the Lord he said I am that I am and he gave him tokens signs evidence of the branding of the Lord upon his forehead for him the mark was that his hand was white as snow that was the sign of the branding of the Lord Hallelujah. can we pray in the Holy Spirit heavenly father we ask you for mercy lord jesus we ask you for mercy lord jesus we want to be endued, energized, strengthened by your spirit. We want to live out the anointed life, Lord Jesus. We want to live out the anointed life. But we can't do it without you, without your spirit, Lord Jesus. We can't do it without your spirit, Lord Jesus. It is your spirit that unseals the book to us. It's ways of your spirit, Lord Jesus. It is collision with your spirit, Lord Jesus. We're asking, Lord Jesus, that you would break out in our lives afresh and anew with fresh desires in the place of the lust of the flesh, Lord Jesus. Because of collision with you, there are fresh burdens, Lord God, in our hearts. Thank you for energy of your spirit, Lord God. Energy, power, might, Lord Jesus. One of the seven spirits of God, he's revelatory. He's called the spirit of might, the spirit of power. He will strengthen you. Like Pastor David was saying, to turn around and look when God is calling your voice. Right now he's calling. It takes strength to turn and see he that is calling us. Can we ask the Lord to minister to us might, to minister to us strength? Heavenly Father, we ask you for the spirit of mind, Lord God, to rest upon us, to minister. Rende bababakashunda, might, Lord God. Mercy for repentance, Lord God. Mercy, Lord Jesus. To stop living the worldly life, but to live out your life, Lord Jesus.